good to be together again, worshiping together. Thank the music team for leading us in worship, leading us to the throne of God, focusing our minds upon Him. Let's pray before we get into your word, into God's word. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for music. We thank you that you are worthy of worship. And pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand, to bring it into our hearts, to take it out with us and live it, whatever we learn today. Amongst everything that we, we learn all the time, Lord, let us be faithful servants of yours who influence other people in a good way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you know, we've been talking about the judgments of God at the end of this present age. And the book of Revelation tells us that God is going to send judgments upon the earth as he punishes evil and rescues his people. And it's all a part of his plan to take back his creation from Satan, who came down and captured humanity, to take back his his earth from those who choose to follow Satan and Satan himself. And then God will set up his eternal, glorious kingdom in which we will live in true peace and abundance and joy in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. And here is the major determining factor on whether a person finds eternal joy or eternal suffering for the rest of their eternity. <laughs> it is a choice we make during this present life on this earth. If we decide that we want everything now in this present earth, riches, popularity, living for ourselves, ruling over others, using others for our own means, exalting ourselves over others, going by our own rules, selfish desires, if we choose that in this earth, on this life, well, that is choosing this present temporary earth over the eternal kingdom of God on the new earth. But if we choose to serve Jesus Christ during this present earthly life, first of all, by coming to him and asking for his forgiveness for our sins, accepting his son's death on the cross to pay for our sins. And then we follow him by serving others and honoring God and putting others before ourselves, storing our treasures in heaven rather than on the earth. Then with that forgiveness in Christ and following him in that life, putting others before ourselves, not here to seek glory for ourselves, if that's the pathway that we take, that is storing our treasures in heaven and not on the earth. Now, we see the most graphic example of these two choices, these two opposite choices, and where we have been in our study in the book of Revelation. Chapter 13 introduced us to the dragon. He was hurled down from heaven when he got into a fight with Michael and his angels. <clears throat> And as he got down to the earth, he started forming his own plan 
He called up the beast from the sea and the beast from the earth. And the dragon is Satan, who was thrown out of heaven, like we said. The Apostle John is watching all this happen as in a vision of what's going to happen in the future. And it says the dragon is furious because he had been kicked out of heaven. He lost his place in heaven along with his angels that followed him. And he comes down to destroy God's anointed Messiah. God stops him. And so he starts another plan. He's going to go after the children of the woman, which was Israel. And that's the Messiah. And so Satan, in chapter 13, calls up this beast out of the sea. And the dragon empowers this beast with strength and majesty and authority. This beast receives a mortal wound and is brought back to life. And the whole world is amazed. And they they just can't handle it. It's It's so wonderful. And they worship the beast. And they worship the dragon because of all he's done for the beast. But he is evil. And then we see the beast coming up from the earth. He's the, he's the dragon's answer for the Holy Spirit. First of all, the first beast is the dragon's answer for Christ. This beast from the earth directs all the worship and honor and glory to the first beast of the sea. The Christ character. And just as the true Holy Spirit gives honor and glory to the true Son of God, so in the unholy trinity, the second beast from the earth sends all honor and glory to the first beast. But here's the difference. At this time, when this happens, anyone who refuses to worship the first beast They're going to be killed. And everyone is forced to receive the mark of the beast, either on their right hand or their forehead. That's all coming. And anyone who doesn't will not be able to buy or sell. That is chapter 13. That's the difference between Satan and his unholy trinity and God and his holy trinity. Everyone who chooses to worship and serve the beast of Satan, they did not lose their lives. They chose to have all their treasures down here on this earth. And now we're going to see those who choose to lay their treasures in heaven. And that's chapter 14 of Revelation. And this is John's next vision from God. So, If you'd look with me, we're going to read the first five verses of chapter 14 of Revelation. It says, Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. That's the seal of God on them. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 
who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as firstfruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. <clears throat> you have the earth dwellers who are buying into Satan's plan. And then you have those whose destiny is heaven. The ones who choose earth over heaven, they take the mark of the beast on their forehead or their right hand. They're not willing to suffer on earth for the glories of heaven for eternity, so they want to take their glories now on the earth because they can't see past that. But when John sees this next vision, he sees the Lamb of God with the 144,000 standing in glorious triumph on Mount Zion. And many of these are those who died during the tribulation time. Mount Zion signifies the place where the Messiah will deliver his people and gather them to himself. It is going to be the capital of the renewed kingdom of God. It's the place of God's deliverance and glory and celebrating the saints over the unholy trinity. The 144,000, they stand for the victorious saints, those who keep their faith in Christ. Saints who, who choose to stay true to Christ in the face of adversity, because we're talking about this last period of time on earth when there's so much persecution and, and killing and, you know, the, the beast and his beasts. And they had the name of the Lamb and the Father on their foreheads, a sign of ownership. The earth dwellers had the mark of the beast and the 144,000 had the names of the lamb and the father. That's choosing heaven or choosing earth. And the 144,000 sang this glorious, boisterous song of victory, a celebration song before the throne. And so the 144,000 turned down the mark of the beast they paid for it, many of them, with their lives. But now they're celebrating to the fullest extent their song of redemption and victory. You know, it talks about how the devoted to Christ these 144,000 were. Now, some of you might be wondering about when it says they did not defile themselves with women, but remained virgins. Some of the guys are laughing. But... Really, what it's talking about is, is showing how dedicated they were at this end time because this is kind of like special forces during a, a horrible war when men go off and they leave their wives and they're just dedicated to this fight, to this battle. And that's what these 144,000 were, dedicating to, this, to themselves to Christ during this time of great tribulation when it took extra courage to stand for Christ. So it's like they were serving God as special force soldiers in the fiercest of battles. And they were engaging in the full cost of discipleship for their time. And they remained virgins and followed the Lamb wherever He went. Wherever He went, they went. And it says they were offered as firstfruits to God. Special offerings to God, the first of the crop. 
And the first of the crop guarantees the rest of the crop going up. So that's where these very special servants of God, as they gave their lives to God in a special way. And the major point that John is making here is how devoted they were to Christ. And they were willing to take on this very difficult chore, this very difficult mission at a very difficult time. And they truly chose to place their, their treasures in heaven. This is kind of like the ultimate of placing your treasures in heaven. And they gave up everything of the earth in order to place their treasures in heaven. And then you look back in chapter 13, and they chose everything on the earth and gave up heaven. Now, I'd like to mention at this point that recently we had the youth come up, or I don't know if they came up, we had them on the video as they returned from challenge. Did they come up here? Yeah, they did. <laughs> I know we saw them on the video. Uh, and <clears throat> they gave testimonies of how challenge had affected them and the things that they learned there and things they came back with to tell us. And they came back with some very meaningful testimonies. And they put themselves and their hearts into the conference. And they took everything to heart. And it was special to them. And they, they gave themselves, you know, their attention and their, their focus on what was being taught. So I just wanted to point out to you guys, you who went to challenge, I want to point out in this passage because it's teaching us to do the things that you came back deciding to do. And that's what challenge is for. And that's what these 144,000 did. And that's what we want to do as Christians and we want our youth to do as they grow up and serve the Lord in special ways. And we need to be praying for our youth because they are in their years where the pull to walk away from Christ is very, very strong. So we need to encourage each other to place our treasures in heaven. And you know, as you're growing up, there's so much that you don't understand until you reach certain ages. And so you have to really take it by faith. And that's what we want you youth to do. As you've been in challenge and you've been challenged by that, and you see the good of placing your faith in Christ and living for Him. That's what we want you to continue to do. Stay with Him. Keep your anchors in Him. But now we're going to see even more reasons to choose heaven over earth. Heavenly treasures over earthly treasures. And I'm going to read this passage, so several verses. So just follow along here, 6 through 13. It says, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. The angel come and giving out the eternal gospel to the whole earth. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. 
A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image, or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. <clears throat> this angel flying in midair, that has a sense of he's speaking to everyone. And it says he's speaking to all people in every nation. His message is very urgent. It's to every person on earth. And telling them, basically, this is your last chance to make the right choice, to choose life. The hour of God's judgment has come. Turn your worship to the Creator. Choose the Creator. The second angel announces the fall of Babylon. Now, Babylon, <clears throat> in the first century here, that was the name that they gave to the, the Empire of Rome. Because Babylon had that same image as the the Roman Empire came to have. And so Babylon in the Bible often refers to the Empire of Rome. The Bible alludes to a revived Roman Empire in the end times, in different places of the Bible, a revived Roman Empire that will be filled with immorality, idolatry, all the things of ancient Rome. And then the third angel warns of this horrible torment for those who choose the beast. They will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. That's going to be awful. That will be horrible, to drink the full cup of God's wrath. And verse 11 just tells how the punishment for those who choose the beast will be never, ever ending all who choose earthly over heavenly, they will end up in a never, ever, ever ending torment. No rest day or night. Whoever worships the beast in its image or anyone who receives the mark of its name. And the angel says this calls for the patient endurance of God's people who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. And all through the Bible, we are called to have patient endurance, especially in the book of Revelation. This calls for the patient endurance of God's people. And what they're talking about is going through hard times, even torture, even, you know, even persecution, going through hard times. But he's calling for the patient endurance of God's people. Because 
the ones that are going to be suffering are the ones that just, they're, they're not going to wait for their, for their rewards. They want them now here on the earth. They can't go beyond that. They don't have that vision of staying with God, loving God. Now, we don't know when this will happen. This end time stuff that we're reading, we don't know. We don't know who will be around when it does. But we do know the answer no matter when it happens. If it happens today or tomorrow or 10,000 years from now, the answer is the same. Remain faithful to Jesus. You know, it may be painful, it may be frightening, but we know if we anchor our hopes and faith in Christ, we will win. A few years ago, we went up and, and watched the Super Bowl with <clears throat> our son Barrick's relatives, uh, marriage relatives, and, uh, you know, it was a nail-biting game. And we were just, you know, on the ed well, off the edge of our seats. And now, after that, when we watched it again, it was much more fun. <laughs> we knew the answer. Our team won. We know our team wins. And we know that it's really possible that we could go through some hard times. Somebody's going to go through those hard times. And we do have hard times outside of the tribulation. But we know the winning formula. Remain faithful to Christ. So many people today are walking away from Christ. And sometimes it's for little reasons. And the whole message of the Bible is remain faithful to Christ. And Jesus tells us, God tells us that there's going to be hard things to face. If we give up on Christ for just this temporary time on earth, we'll face an eternity of torment, loss, and sorrow. Now, 13, again, I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor their deeds will follow them. <clears throat> you know, many Christians have died, many Christians are dying today, and many will die in the end. We don't know who it will be, but I want to offer my encouragement advice that I give when I see passages talking about suffering. And I've said this more than once, so some of you will remember. We know that the Bible talks about suffering for Christ. And basically, just about promises us that we will suffer. And we see across the land, across our, our globe, people suffering horribly for Christ. But in this country, we really haven't had to see that or haven't had to go through that. And it could be that many of us in here, maybe all of us in here, will not have to face that kind of suffering. Or we may. We don't know. 
but we do know the answer, don't we? On the other hand, we know that many in here have gone through some very, very difficult times, some very painful times, extremely disappointing times of loss, even times of betrayal, times of being treated unfairly, cheated. But you know, whether it's persecution from, you know, government or enemies or severe trial, the answer is the same. Remain faithful to Jesus. And you hear these people when they give their testimonies, when they've walked away from the Lord, they'll give some circumstance they went through. And I'm thinking, haven't you read your Bible? And some of them are Bible teachers. Remain faithful to Jesus. And I say, don't focus on bad things that might happen. Just focus on following Christ. Allow the Word of God just to strengthen your faith and to lessen your fear. If we are in the Word of God regularly, and we allow it to come into our hearts and the Holy Spirit takes it and applies it to us, then we won't have that fear. We'll just be focusing on Christ. And you know, worrying about something that might happen is often worse than when it does happen, if it does. So either way, the, the, the answer is to focus on Christ, strengthen our faith, some people see things they can't believe, but there's so much in there that is just so much that is so proven. We pour ourselves into others. The pathway is that is the pathway to joy. And now it's time for the harvest, the great end time harvest of God. You know, that's when you go out, <clears throat> uh, the place where we, we moved here from farming, wheat, cattle, and around harvest time, it got kind of anxious. Some of you kind of know this, and everybody's just kind of like waiting for the first guy to go out and start trying to harvest the wheat, and if they hear a tractor, they're all, they all look at each other like, <laughs> should we be out there? Because they don't want to miss a day, because if it starts raining, that just, you know, brings down the harvest. But let me read here verses 14 through 16, and we're talking about the harvest. He says, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. <clears throat> Harvesting the earth means the judgment of God is coming, or it's come. He's calling everyone to account. You know, I think it's a little bit funny. <clears throat> There's a lot of talk about how long the earth can support life. 
human life. And then on the other hand, they're saying that the earth is billions of years old. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, can both be true? And yet this current generation, they think we who live here now, we're going to destroy it in a few decades. I don't know. I'm not an earth scientist, but it just seems kind of funny. I'm banking on God harvesting the earth. I don't know how much of what they say is going to come true, but I know that God is going to be the one who harvests the earth. And in his timing, he will send his angel to harvest the earth. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 13, a couple of verses. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Good news. And then we'll go to our last verses in Revelation 14. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because its grapes are ripe. This is the harvesting. This is the judgment. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia, which is about 180 miles. <clears throat> Just means there's going to be a lot of destruction when God judges the earth. <clears throat> you know, uh, my thinking is not everything we read in the Bible will always make good sense to us. And so, there's not everything that we can always explain if somebody has a question. But there's so much in the Bible, the vast majority of the Bible, that does make good sense. And though that's enough. One thing I'm convinced of <clears throat> is I'm not going to outthink God. And I can understand enough of the Bible to know that he's the one who calls the shots. And he's the one who created the earth. And he's the one who sent Christ. And he's the one giving the warnings. And he has planned the end. And our job is just to trust and follow him. Follow the Lamb. And those who think they've outsmarted God, I don't want to think about it. So here we go. Verse 12 again, this calls for the patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and how much it directs us, guides us, helps us, encourages us, helps us to have good attitudes toward it, helps us to submit to your spirit who helps us to learn it. And Lord, we pray that you would 
Have your spirit teach us deep truths of the word and help our faith to become stronger and help us to encourage others and bring others to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.